Hi, I'm Jago Wynn, and welcome to the HTC Daily Podcast. We as a church are meeting daily on Zoom to speak to God in prayer and to hear from God in the Bible. For those of you who can't join us live or who want to listen again, we're featuring the Daily Bible Thought as we journey through Matthew's Gospel in the first part of 2021, and we're also including how we're being encouraged to pray each day. Today, it's me. Jamie, thank you very much indeed. Um, Now, uh, lovely to see you all. And uh, as Jamie puts up the passage for today, you may notice that the uh, HTC Daily Powers That Be have given me one of the most controversial passages in Matthew's Gospel. Um, Now, it may be controversial, uh, but I think in it is such incredible power in Jesus's teaching when it comes to the whole area of relationships. And the context of the teaching is verse three. So you can see verse three there in bold. Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him and they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? So they're saying if the wife's looks have faded, if she's burnt the supper, if uh, the husband fancies someone else, could the husband just divorce her? It was known as the for any reason view and was a view held by many of the leading rabbis of the time. Uh, connected to a dreadfully low view of women. So the context for this is a question about divorce, but actually Jesus's answer focuses on teaching us about his views on marriage and singleness. So let's go, I'm going to try and unpack what Jesus says about marriage and then singleness. So marriage, first of all, he takes us back uh, to the first marriage in history. So verse four, he says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made the male and female. That's quoting Genesis 1, 27. And then Jesus goes and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So that's Genesis 2, verse 24, he's quoting there. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now take the, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh bit. So that's Genesis 2, 24. Just think about that sentence for a moment. It's there in Genesis 2, but Adam didn't actually have a father and mother to leave, did he? So the writer of Genesis puts that verse in Genesis to teach us who are reading it. And I would say that that verse, it is the blueprint for all that the Bible teaches us about marriage because Jesus quotes it here in Matthew 19. Um, Paul also quotes the same verse in Ephesians 5. So what does it tell us? about Jesus's view of marriage. Here are four things, I think. First, it tells us that marriage is about forming a new family unit. So for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, the old family unit. So it's leaving and then cleaving to someone new. Not doing what I did in our first year of marriage. I was a bit of a mummy's boy, if I'm honest, and I used to sort of constantly phone up my mum for advice uh, before asking Susanna what she thought about something. And Susanna, understandably, very understandably, was not impressed. Second thing marriage is, is marriage is the context for sex. Uh, So the order is there in that verse for the man and the woman to be united as husband and wife, and then the two become one flesh. They have sex. So sex is to be in the context of marriage. Third thing uh, is that marriage is heterosexual. Now, I know by uh, saying that I'm going headlong into a massive contemporary debate about same sex marriage. So I just ask you to notice what Jesus says here. He joins two quotes from Genesis 1 and 2. He quotes him in verse 4, Genesis 1 27. At the beginning, the creator made the male and female. And he joins that verse with the blueprint verse uh, for marriage, Genesis 2 24, that he quotes in verse 5. So Jesus didn't need to quote Genesis 1 27, that the creator made them male 
male and female. That quote is surplus to requirements unless Jesus was wanting to show that marriage is always between male and female, one man and one woman. Now, in passing, I'm all for same-sex couples having the same legal rights in terms of tax and inheritance rights and things like that. That's what civil partnerships are. But Jesus says marriage, by definition, is between one man and one woman. And then the fourth thing that we learn about marriage from Jesus is that marriage is for life. So verse six, you'll see there, Jesus says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And I find it always one of the most powerful bits of a wedding when I take a wedding, when the man and the woman, they've just been declared husband and wife. And I take their hands and I raise their hands up and I quote this verse, what God has joined together, let no one put asunder, let no one separate. It's saying this marriage is for life. So when it comes to divorce, which is verses seven, eight and nine, Jesus says it's certainly not the for any reason school of divorce. But it does seem that divorce is permitted in certain cases, such as verse nine, sexual immorality, i.e. marital unfaithfulness. So divorce is permitted in such circumstances, but it's never desirable. Divorce is never the optimal solution because marriage is for life. So that is Jesus's view of marriage. Try to sort of go through very quickly. Uh, Then what about Jesus's view of singleness? And um, uh, the disciples say to Jesus in verse 10, uh, well, if marriage is for life, if you can't just sort of dispose of your wife for any reason, maybe it's better to stay single, which is sort of interesting logic. And Jesus says that's true for some people. It is better for some people not to get married. For those uh, that don't know, as you look at those verses, a eunuch is a man who's been castrated, as sadly happened to some slaves in royal courts in those days. And Jesus says there are, there are three groups in verse 12. If you look at verse 12, which commentators have written loads about what is Jesus meaning by each group. Now, I'm not going to go into all the options, but the main thing that is clear is this, that some of the reasons for not getting married are involuntary and some are voluntary. So it's voluntary, those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. They choose to do it. They choose to be single. It's voluntary. And when we think of singleness today, there are all sorts of reasons for singleness today, but there is still the same overall division, the voluntary single and the involuntary single. So some choose to be single and others, many, have uh, certainly not chosen to be single and would dearly, dearly love to be married. So there's the involuntary single as well as the voluntary single. And so here, I think, is the main thing that this passage teaches, teaches us when it comes to the understanding of the Bible's view of singleness. In, in terms of singleness, in terms of a single person, their status, single people are complete. Single people are not lacking in any way at all. Sometimes, particularly, I think, in Christian circles, people see marriage as a good thing to be lauded and singleness is seen to be a problem where the solution to the problem of singleness is to get married. But that is not right. Singleness has positives and problems. And marriage, too, has positives and problems. And if anything, in some places in Scripture, singleness is seen to be the superior option, that picture of having single-minded devotion to God. Uh, But we do need to recognise that being single as a Christian doesn't mean necessarily the same as being single for some other people, in the sense that being single, if we hold to the biblical view of marriage and singleness, uh, being single means being celibate. So the single Christian is not free and available to have all sorts of sexual encounters. But more than just the sort of challenge of lack of sex, there can, of course, be the pain both for women and men of not having children, and more broadly still, the challenge of a lack of a loving, close friendship. So to summarise, in terms of their status, single people are complete. They are not lacking in any way. 
But in terms of how single people can feel themselves and indeed how uh, they can be made to feel by others, sometimes they can feel incomplete and lacking and that can be deeply painful. And so as I close, uh, that's why for um, singles, but actually just as much uh, for marrieds, uh, it is so right to emphasise the importance of a loving Christian community. You know, we are all built for community. Community isn't sort of the runners-up prize for singles. No, all of us, married and single, we need to do our singleness, we need to do our marriages in the context of Christian community, the body of Christ. And for all of us, our our relational status, yes, it's important, but it is not of primary importance. We are all created primarily to live for our king, who is king of the kingdom of heaven, the the one alone, Jesus Christ, who can totally fulfill and complete our longing to be loved. Amen. Jago, thank you so much. This morning we prayed for those struggling with loneliness in lockdown, whether married or single. We prayed for those whose relational status is a struggle. And we also prayed for the joy of Christian community to be so real as we come out of lockdown. This morning we also prayed for the budget, which the Chancellor is due to announce today.